Palopan Caro's time at the crossover cut short. Plus, we look at magic shooters that were ahead of their times. It's time for another edition of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is August 22nd, 2022. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked on Magic, Franz Wagner has a big game in the Super Cup. Gets ready for Eurobasket. Paolo Bancaro's time at the crossover is cut short. Plus, we take a look at Magic shooters who were ahead of their time. We'll get to all that and more coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload, we truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. We're all still going strong, even during this dead part of the offseason. You can find us wherever you download podcasts, plus on YouTube to search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. So we are in the basketball desert right now. Um, most of the, all the offseason moves are done. The schedule is now out. We are just waiting for the season to begin. Um, we will grab any little piece of basketball that we can get right now. Uh, and that includes the Pro-Am circuit. That will include Eurobasket and FIBA play, which is great basketball. It's, 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 it's less of a desert at, once, once, once Eurobasket starts. Uh, and really, we're just all kind of waiting for everyone to get back in town and really the excitement for the season to begin. Uh, I've always been told Labor Day is, a, is the time when most of the players return to their home markets, start doing pickup runs, start playing together, start doing some kind of mini camp stuff and some, some basic stuff to get ready for training camp. Um, so we're not so far away from from the season really being on our doorstep. And we're going to get to player outlooks and, and start analyzing and breaking down the season coming up. Right now, we're still kind of in that that nether zone. This weekend was another opportunity to watch some basketball and, and to see guys play in a relaxed setting and, and, and have a little bit of fun. Um, Paolo Bancaro was set to play in his second uh, weekend at the crossover, his second game at the crossover. He was joined by the likes of Chet Holmgren, Isaiah Thomas, DeJounte Murray, guys that you expect. And yes, Paolo Bancaro and DeJounte Murray seem to have squashed their beef a little bit. Um, Jamal Crawford should probably be uh, uh, an ambassador to some country because he can get people to get have peace again. Um, but Saturday's game uh, at, at the crossover was going to be a, a much bigger event. Aaron Gordon was rolling it. Jason Tatum was rolling in, and for the first time in 15 years, LeBron James was set to play basketball in the city of Seattle as he rolled into the crossover, making this a mega event. Unfortunately, it did not turn out to be that way. Uh, Look, all credit to the people of Seattle. They made a great environment. All credit to Jamal Crawford for putting on a great event as well, uh, or for for giving an opportunity for 
these kind this kind of like pro am showcase this this opportunity for guys to have fun. Unfortunately, the venue just could not handle the mass crush of people that were there to watch a basketball game. Uh, look, Paolo last time he was at the crossover dropped fifty. Uh, and looked really, really good. Um, and again, the defense is non-existent. Um, but I would just, you know, like I joked and described uh, on Twitter that Paolo Bancaro's run at the crossover on Saturday was a light jog. Um, the effort was not particularly strong. Uh, and so it wasn't a game where we were going to learn a lot. And, and the reason why it wasn't particularly strong, while well, Paolo was able to get to the line a few times and, and kind of force some action was... There was a lot of condensation on the court for some reason. Um, There's just a lot of heat. The air conditioning in the building may not have been working. It, it just became an unsafe environment. Fortunately, there were no major injuries. Um, Ch- Chet Holmgren rolled his ankle trying to defend LeBron going down the lane, and good, good on him for doing that. LeBron still bullied him out of the way. Um, but, you know, it just was not an environment conducive to being able to play basketball. Everyone was staying on the perimeter, too afraid to drive. Uh, there was no reason to push themselves, and the game was eventually called in the middle of the second quarter. Unfortunately, a down note for what was shaping up to be a really fun evening, uh, an evening that was being streamed on NBA.com for everyone to see. Um, Again, just, it was just super unfortunate. that's, That's really the only way to describe it. But again, thankfully no one got hurt. This stuff is not important. Don't you know, they're not going to learn a whole lot from these games. It would have been a lot of fun nonetheless. What we will learn a lot from, though, or what we will see a little bit, is Franz Wagner playing for Germany. Over the weekend on Friday and Saturday, uh, Germany played in the Super Cup, which is a lot of these teams will have kind of preseason exhibition tournaments. There is a trophy on the line. Um, they'll have these preseason exhibition tournaments to warm up for bigger tournaments, for Eurobasket, for the World Cup, for whatever. And so in in Germany on Friday and Saturday, Germany sought to win the Super Cup. Um, On Friday against the Czech Republic, a pretty good team, mind you. Um, You know, not a a Eurobasket contender by any means, but a solid team. Germany routed the Czech Republic. And Franz Wagner played a huge role. Wagner has had a really nice run um, with Germany. He's played one game, so maybe not run is the, the wrong word, but... Had a really good game against Belgium, scored 23 points, hit a clutch three-pointer in that game. Against the Czech Republic on Friday in a 101-90 win, Wagner was the star. 26 points, scored in every way that you can imagine um, that he typically scores in. Had some nice cuts, some good finishes at the basket, hit a couple threes. But then there were the parts of his game that we've been waiting to see. The attacks off the dribble, the step-back jumpers. He hit a Dirk one-legged jumper over a guy. Um... Franz Wagner seemed like he put a lot of pieces together uh, and looked like the guy that we think could take a, a pretty significant step here in his second season. It was really just having him have the confidence and belief that he can be that leading scorer, that leading guy. And, and, and that was really, I think, what was on display and what was so interesting and exciting about his game on Friday. As, as exciting and interesting as that game was, though, Saturday's final against Serbia left plenty of doubt. You know, kind of the same concerns that, that we all have. Serbia routed Germany 83-56. to um, Both Dennis Schroeder and Daniel Theis were out. Um, Schroeder is questionable to even travel to Sweden on Wednesday for their World Cup qualifier. 
Daniel Theis may very well be out for the entire uh, Eurobasket. Um, they're already down Mo Wagner, so Germany's got a size issue. They're going to really struggle on the inside. Wagner scored only five points against Serbia. Again, that's with Nikola Jokic, who is playing and, and was playing pretty decent in that game too. Um, he really struggled to get his shot going, and obviously, you know, I think at some point you just kind of hide what you're trying to do, especially uh, with two key players out. So again, the limitations on Franz Wagner are still there. He may not be a consistent individual creator. He may not be someone who can get his own shot. He may need guys who set him up a little bit, that that soak up some attention. As I've said repeatedly, um, Germany is Dennis Schroeder's team, uh, and, and they're designed to emphasize Schroeder and, and to get him going. Uh, and honestly, that's, I think, a place where Wagner can really succeed because he will get his points. The ball will find him. He's going to do the right things. If Germany is going to move the ball... Wagner will get his opportunities. Now, again, this is one game and an exhibition game at that. We're going to learn a lot more here in the coming weeks. Germany, as well as a lot of the teams in Europe, are in a World Cup qualifying window. It's very, very weird. There's a World Cup qualifying window the week before Eurobasket. Um, The U.S. will also be in a World Cup qualifying window, but the U.S. does not send NBA players to the World Cup qualifying G League players qualify from for the World Cup, then the senior team, then the US play, then the NBA players take it over from there. Um, or largely G League players. During the season's G League players, there might be some international players right now. Germany will play Sweden on Wednesday. Should be a win. Germany's in a really good spot in, in their in their group. They're gonna qualify for the World Cup here. They should play they, they play Sweden on Wednesday, and then next Saturday, Germany will play Slovenia. Slovenia has Luka Doncic. Um, and Luka Doncic is playing very, very well. That is going to be the biggest tune-up. That's going to be the biggest warm-up that Germany has for the World Cup, or for the Eurobasket. Um, and then obviously, when they start Eurobasket at home against France. So over the next two to, ne- next three to four weeks, we're going to be seeing a lot of Franz Wagner. And we're going to see him playing in high-level, high-intensity games. And we're going to learn a lot about him. It's really, really exciting. I can't wait to see it. Um, and, 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 and that's going to be kind of what's going to soak up our basketball attention here uh, for the time being. We're going to get back to our shooting month um, discussion. We're going to talk about some Orlando Magic shooters that snuck under the radar or, or, or just played well before their time uh, and talk about how the Magic were part of kind of this evolution of the game, of, of basketball as we, as we see it today. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, if you keep saying, keep on saying you need to make a budget, but never do it, if somehow you keep missing credit card payments, if you're afraid to look at your bank statements, then it's time you take back control of your financial life. Meet Rocket Money, the artist formerly known as Truebill, our favorite financial app. So why did Truebill change its name to Rocket Money? Well, we'll tell you what we heard. Truebill, now backed by Rocket Companies, has grown from a bill management app into a full-on personal finance empowerment tool that helps more than 3.4 million people with budgeting, lowering bills, canceling subscriptions, and more, saving each of their members an average of $700 per year. And with all that growth comes the next evolution in Truebill's story, a new name. Bottom line, Rocket Money is everything you've loved about Truebill, but with a fresh look and feel. So start canceling your unused subscriptions, and save money at rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. 
or download the app from the Apple Store or Google Play Store. Again, that promo code is rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. Obviously, like I said, we're, we're kind of in the basketball desert right now. Um, you know, we're, we're looking for the oasis of, of hoops to get us through here until the season really begins. Uh, and, um, you know, one thing that we're doing over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, which will culminate um, in our naming the top 20 shooters in Orlando Magic history, uh, is we are analyzing the role that shooting has played in the development of the Orlando Magic and the role the Orlando Magic have played in the development of shooting around the league. Um, you know what? You know, say what you want about Bill Simmons. I really enjoy his book of basketball. I really enjoyed the book of basketball podcast that he did. Um, they did a lot. You know, they do. They did a lot. A long series very early on in that podcast run. Just go into those archives. There's an episode on Dwight Howard as well as a rewatchables on Game Four of the 2009 NBA Finals. If you want to rewatch it, I rewatched it once, maybe twice. It's not any easier on the second or third viewings. Um, but. One thing they, they, they do when they talk about some of the forgotten players in there is too soon, right on time, or too late. Just asking, you know, would this player have been better in a different era, in a different kind of game? And, you know, this is a point I bring up a lot with people who want to try and say Shaq would have murdered today's NBA. And honestly, like, uh, I, I tell them this, like, look, if Shaq were brought up in today's NBA— he wouldn't be Shaq. He'd be honest because everyone forgets what an athletic freak he was coming out of college. He's just big. He can move. He could do everything. But you didn't teach seven foot one guys how to dribble. You didn't teach them how to be ball handlers back in those days. You know, coaching told them make Shaquille O'Neal go in the post. And again, Dirk Nowitzki was a revolutionary in this sense and such an important figure that he became a three point shooter. He had to convince coaches in America to let him shoot threes and, and to be a consistent three-point shooter. If he didn't end up with Don Nelson, we may not have gotten Dirk Nowitzki the way that he was. The situation, what you're allowed to do as a player, what coaches imagine for you can be just as important for your success as anything. And there are players who come along too soon. There are players that are right at the right time and catch the moment. There are players that are too late. You know, look at Jaleel Okafor. Jaleel Okafor, great post-up player, fantastic footwork, would have been a great, would have been, I don't think he would have been a great center, but he would have been a solid center in the 1990s. The skill set that he had was valuable 10, 15, 20 years earlier than when he was drafted. But when he was drafted, it was like, that guy doesn't really have a place in today's NBA. He's too slow. We're not running a post-up offense in any ways. What the hell were the Philadelphia 76ers thinking they, could, what, thinking they were doing, pairing him with Joel Embiid? Same reason why the Magic, uh, when the Magic got Serge Ibaka, I was excited because it was like, oh, the Magic have a center now. They tried to make power for it, and that obviously didn't work. The Orlando Magic have had their fair share of players then who have helped carry along the three-point revolution and were three-point shooters and, and, and had skill sets that just didn't exist at the time. If you go back into our archives uh, to last week uh, or two weeks ago, we did a, we did a, we did a post uh, on, on Dennis Scott or we did a did a segment on what the three-point line looked like when the Orlando Magic entered the NBA and how so few teams shot three-pointers. 
There are only three teams, I believe, in the NBA in the 1990 season that took more than 10 three-pointers per game. Orlando had the fastest pace in the league, but did not take three-pointers. No one did. No one had an imagination on how to use this gimmick that the NBA put in in 1980, or the 1980 season. Dennis Scott was one of the players that helped show the league how to use the three-point line. Again, I'm not going to say he was the full revolutionary. There's Dale Ellis. There was Sam Perkins, the original Stretch, stretch Five. Uh, there was um, you know, uh, Reggie Miller, Mark Price, Michael Adams, and the run-and-gun Denver Nuggets. There were a lot of guys trying to push the NBA to use the three-point line and to make this a unique weapon. Dennis Scott was one of the first players to do that. And the 1995 Orlando Magic were as vital as anyone in teaching the league how to use the three-point line, how to take this, and it was worth an extra point, and make it make use of that extra point. But there are others, and really when you look at the evolution of three-point shot, as at the time that the Magic had done it, there was this there was the idea of of space um, and spacing the floor out, which you know Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson were huge parts of in 1995. But really, the biggest revolution and something the Magic have had a big hand in is the revolution of the stretch four, uh, and and that's really the story that we need to tell here. There were shooting power forwards before. Robert Ory is probably one of the original stretch fours. Um, Got to give credit, obviously, to him. Got to give credit, I mentioned Sam Perkins, one of the original shooting big men uh, in this league. Um, if Arvidas Sabonis had come over earlier in his career, Arvidas Sabonis would have been a stretch five, or, or what we consider today a stretch five. He was truly ahead of his time. But the Magic have had their guys who've played their role in pushing big men out to the perimeter. I want to give a special shout-out to Horace Grant, who had a mid-range jumper out to 18 feet. That really helped space the floor for Shaquille O'Neal and gave him a good high-low partner. I got to give a shout-out to, to my guy, coach, my, my coach in high school, Jeff Turner. Um, as, as much as everyone tends to make a little bit of fun of Jeff Turner's long career with the Orlando Magic, um, Jeff Turner was someone who could step out to, the to, again, 18 to 20 feet. He wasn't a three-point shooter, but could step out and hit from 18 to 20 feet, and, and that was something that changed the game. Having a big man who could step out like that make a jumper from outside the paint, drag the center away, and created more space. Again, that's what the three-point shot has really done, is it's created space for drives. And drive and kick is always the best way to shoot threes. But the Magic had one of the first really effective stretch fours, too. Um, and so we got to give our special shout-out to Pat Garrity. Pat Garrity came to the Orlando Magic uh, in the Penny Hardaway trade during the, 19, during the summer of 1990, uh, the summer of uh, 2000. Um, as Orlando was, or sorry, the summer of 1999, um, as the Magic were preparing for the heart and hustle year. Pat Garrity then became one of the most important floor spacers for the team. Look, Garrity wasn't fleet of foot. He wasn't particularly strong. And in that NBA, that put him at a little bit of a disadvantage. But the one thing that he had going for him was his three-point shot. He averaged 7.4 points per game in nine seasons with Orlando. That does include some seasons at the end of his career when he was hurt, when he was dealing with injuries that, that slowed him down. Um, and he became a, an important floor spacer for an offense that was essentially just stand and watch Tracy McGrady do what he does. He shot 39.8% from deep, including three seasons, shooting better than 40% from three. The three-pointer was a bit more of a weapon in the early 2000s. It's not obviously what it is now. It's not what it would become but Pat Garrity deserves some recognition for being a little bit ahead of his time. 
if Pat Garrity had come along in today's NBA, yeah, he probably still would have still struggled with the same kind of athleticism issues that he had, but he would have been a much more coveted player as a spot-up three-point shooter, as someone who could come off screens and hit, hit threes, as a 6'10 guy who could come off screens and hit a mid-range jumper on occasion or do a, 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 a one-dribble pull-up from the free-throw line, which he did often in Orlando. Pat Garrity was a really deadly weapon, and again, if the Magic had Grant Hill, if the Magic had you know Tracy McGrady fully healthy, if they had a fully functioning roster, I think we would have seen Pat Garrity be that much more effective. He was a really solid player for Orlando when he was there. The next revolution that came was obviously the Richard Lewis revolution, and you know Richard Lewis to me is one of the most important players in NBA history. Um, you know, again, this is maybe my magic fandom peeking out a little bit, uh, but Richard Lewis, though one probably pushed the NBA to understand the power of what a stretch four could be more than Richard Lewis uh, and those Stan Van Gundy 2009 teams. Um, Richard Lewis deserves his own post, his own like general discussion on three-point shooting, but I'll put it this way. Between Richard Lewis and Hito Turklu, Orlando had two playmaking bigs, or two playmaking forwards who could also shoot three-pointers. And the reason why the 2009 Magic were able to be so effective is nobody played like them. And when it came to the playoffs, when it came to matching up, you couldn't contain Dwight Howard. There's no center in the league that could contain Dwight Howard. Um, He was just a tour de force. And there was no defense that could understand how to guard a 6'10 forward like Hito Turkoglu who could work off pick and rolls, or Richard Lewis coming off screens like he was Rip Hamilton. They were revolutionary in so many ways because they previewed the ultra-versatile style that is the norm in the NBA. I say this all the time. There's a straight line from the seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns, which revolutionized the idea of pace and using the three-point shot to overwhelm teams. They were really effective because they used Sean Marion as a four when no one really thought to do that. And Sean Marion was an expert four because he was able to defend every position the same way Richard Lewis was really able to defend a lot of positions. I, I don't I don't think Richard Lewis gets enough credit for his defense. And honestly, I don't think Richard Lewis gets enough credit for his passing. He's one of the best post-entry passers that I've ever seen. Him and Hito Turkoglu. Dwight Howard is not nearly as successful without Hito Turkoglu and Richard Lewis in those years because... They were expert post pa- post entry passers, and honestly, that's a lost art in the game today. Because the post game is really inefficient, and nobody uses it anymore. That's how you know Dwight Howard is a Hall of Famer. There's no debating that. But, um, but you know he 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 became a dinosaur very very quickly when the league just kind of went away from the style that made him so effective. He was he came around at the perfect time. If he comes around a hair later. Dwight Howard has a very different career, and and what people imagine of him is very, very different. Uh, as good as he is defensively, but you look at our at the debates that the national media have about Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert would have thrived in the time that Dwight Howard played. Um, in today's NBA, where they can space him off the floor, especially in the playoffs, um, things are a little bit different. And, and, I, and honestly, Minnesota, that's a big question. It's really exciting to see what they can do, but that's a big question I have for Minnesota's in the playoffs. I can't, can you play Carl Anthony Towns at the four? That, that's going to be a Carl Anthony Towns going to have to play some defense um, if, if Minnesota is going to have any success this season. But you can see how the game has evolved and, and how the Magic have had guys who 
help push this thing along to, to, to varying degrees. Again, I think Richard Lewis and the 2009 Magic are extremely influential because you can draw a line from that, from the Suns to them and then to the Warriors with Stephen Curry who made the three-pointer the ultimate weapon um, it, it, overall. And, and the ideas that the Magic were doing, I think, have kind of proliferated throughout the league as the 2009 Magic, just like the 95 Magic uh, the decade before, were the first team that really proved that three-point shooting could be an effective means to winning. There have been plenty of other guys who have pushed the envelope. I think Ryan Anderson was really the first three-point specialist and kind of carried on and doubled down that stretch forward idea for Orlando. And, you know, even though Orlando's not at the forefront of the three-point revolution anymore, Mo is very much a player that's going to become the norm. You know, Wendell Carter wasn't a three-point shooter entering the league. He is going to be one now. Mo Bamba entered the league, and the promise and idea of Mo Bamba was that he would be a three-point shooting big you know, the quote-unquote unicorn, something that that is so difficult to defend and, and, and changes the way defenses have to think and strategize, you know. It's going to be interesting to see. It always swings back, so the defense will get its revenge. Someone's going to come up with a defensive strategy that is able to contain the contain a lot of these offenses. Switching has become the norm to do that. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I remember when I was in high school, high school, our coaches said, you know, zones were, zone, you know, there's a lot of machismo when I was still in high school. They would say essentially that zones were not for men. <laughs> you know, that, that for you know, I'll 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 say I, I you know this was not Coach Turner by the way. Um, I had coaches in high school who said zone is not for men. You don't play zone if you know you know they challenge your manhood that way. Um, it's all BS. You know, you play the best defense for your personnel. Uh, but to to that point, now you got to play zone. You know, now you got now you play zone to mix things up. You throw it. It's like a change. It's like a change up in baseball. You throw it to just give a different look at the defense. Switching would have been anathema to to coaches like the ones I had in high school. Now it's essential because you can't guard you can't guard people if you're hung up on screens. It, it just doesn't work. And so the league is changing. The league is constantly changing and evolving. And there are guys that. Fit that don't seem like they fit in today's NBA, that will be will have valuable skills five ten years from now, and and that's really kind of part of the evolution that that we have to track and have to understand and have to be aware of as teams continue to evolve and grow. We're going to close the show out with a public service announcement, a really really important one. I'll repeat it on our next episode as well, but I, I do want to make sure we get this point out. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. I want to preface this by saying that this is just a pure public service announcement. I am not being told to do this, but it is really, really important to me. Um, and, and I hope it's really, really important to you too. Uh, I know not all of my listeners live here in the state of Florida. I know not all my listeners live in the United States of America, but we are an Orlando podcast. We are in this. We are in the state of Florida, and it is election season here uh, in the state of Florida. Tuesday is primary day here in Florida, um, and early voting is close, so you can't vote early. If you have not voted yet, um, you can only vote on Tuesday. Uh, if you mailed in your ballot, I would strongly suggest that you go to your uh, supervisor of elections office, 
Make sure your ballot is counted. I know the Orange County Supervisor of Elections Office um, tells you if your vote is counted. You can check the st- status of your mail-in vote. Um, if you're, and it's here in the state of Florida. If there is a problem with your ballot and you need to cure it, you have until Thursday to cure it. I actually had an issue with my ballot. Uh, my signature was not accepted. I had to fill out an affidavit uh, and and send a send a f- copy of my ID. Uh, it's been counted. It's it's super, super easy. It's a hassle, but it's super, super easy. And obviously there's stuff going on there. Um, but I, I, I want to take this moment to just give this public service announcement. Um, you know, this is not necessarily the space to talk about polit- politics and political leanings. I'm not going to advocate here for any candidate. This is an important election. There are a lot of important things on the ballot. And while most people do tend to skip primaries, um, Primaries are super, super important because it's not just about who's going to run for governor for the Democrats or who's going to run for run for uh, uh, a House District 10 uh, here among many Democrats. It's not just about the party votes. Here in Florida, there are non-party affili- there are non-party affiliated offices that are up for election this August. Really, really important stuff too. Orange County Mayor um, is one of the you know. If you if you live here in Orlando, uh, live here in Central Florida during the pandemic, I, I think we all came to understand just how much more important or how important our county government is uh, in, in contrast to our city government. It was Mayor De- Mayor Demings who was leading the charge, and agree or disagree with what he did during the pandemic, or disagree or, or agree with his his policies. Um, it doesn't matter if you don't actually vote in the election that he's running in. Uh, I believe that if he does not get 50%, there's a runoff in November. Don't quote me on that. Um, But you could very well lose that opportunity to vote in this important office if you don't vote in August. On top of that, there are school boards. Um, The school board, the school board chair is being uh, being voted on in this election. Um, You know, you don't have to go very far watching the news to understand how important the school board elections are and how important schools become in our political conversations. Again, they may seem like small offices and and there's a lot of stuff that personally I don't think we should necessarily be voting on, um, but there's a lot of really important stuff on the ballot in August. So if you have voted already, if you've early voted, I encourage you to go to the orange to, to your county supervisor of elections office. I know here in Orange County, you can check the status of your mail-in ballot. Make sure that it has been counted. If it has not been counted, you have until Thursday here in the state of Florida, two days after the election, ballot and have it count. Um, there, there, there's uh, at least on the Orange County Supervisor of Elections office. Shout out Bill Cowles. Um, you will, you, you, they will take you through the steps to cure to cure your ballot to make sure that everything is is hunky dory and 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 put the you know put the power in your hands. Um, if you have not voted yet, vote Tuesday. Please vote Tuesday. I've got my let me pull it out here. I've got my awesome Orange County vote sticker. We have the best vote sticker design here in Orange County. You can see it if you how awesome it looks. There it goes. Um, please vote. Um, again, it, it 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 there there are some important things going on in our country and in our state. Do fire vote and and and. It's for a lot of people. It's a very, very scary time, um, you know, because of things that are happening in this state. Uh, you can deduce who I who I vote for and what I support from that. Um, but I, I I will say, it it, it it's important that you vote, um, and it's important 
that you get out and get that you do and, and make your voice heard one way or another. Politicians will not respond to what we want as a people if we are apathetic. If you know whether you agree, whether you know your candidate wins or loses, um, as much as sometimes they try to get around those things, they have to respond to us, and this is our opportunity to vote. So I highly encourage you if you have not voted already. Make a plan to vote on Tuesday. It is on election day before. I usually vote early. I, it is always very, very easy. To, um, I, depending on where you are, I get it. I live downtown. I'm, you know, super privileged to stand all that. It, it's not always easy for people. Um, but make a plan to vote and, and make your voice heard. It is super important. And obviously, we'll do this again in November. The NBA will have the day off on election day. They're going to use the day before the election uh, the Monday before the election, the midterm elections, as a day of action. Um, I hope that we'll be able to help amplify those voices a little bit too uh, and be part of whatever project that the, that the Orlando Magic, whatever project the NBA uh, has to try and get people out to vote. Um, but obviously, this is uh, this is a really... Every election is really important. Every election is a big election. So democracy only works if you participate. Uh, and so I ask that you participate, you make a plan to vote, and you vote on Tuesday here in Florida. If you don't live in Florida, um, but you live somewhere in the United States, I don't know what the election laws are uh, everywhere else, but um, check to see when primaries are, if they have not happened already. Make sure you're registered to vote for the for the midterm in November. That's, that's my PSA. I, I think it's really important to say that and use this platform to say that. Again, I'm not advocating for one position or another. I'm sure you can tell who and what I support, uh, but... Uh, I, I encourage everyone to vote, even if you don't, even if uh, you don't agree with me or I don't agree with you. I want you to vote. The more people vote, the better it is for our democracy and for our republic. But that's gonna do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore MD. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the public standalone podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. Be sure to check out the Lockdown NBA podcast. Still going strong. I believe they're still going strong five days a week here through the NBA desert. Check them out today for the latest of the national news around the NBA. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Lockdown Magic. <laughs>